Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, which is, based on my understanding, the only Star Wars podcast that has ever existed. Today we are discussing book two of the, I guess you could call it trilogy, the Callista trilogy of books, and that is Dark Saber by Mr. KJA himself, Kevin J. Anderson. And this is almost like book four of the Jedi Academy series, this time featuring Callista. So I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mr. Corey Loses, over on his cozy corner of the internet. How are you doing, Corey? I, I'm doing good. Uh, I had to read Darksaber, but you know what? It's been it's been a good week. Yeah, okay. So How are you doing? I kind of feel the same way. This book was a bit of a slog for me. Like I knew it was going to be a slog, especially because it's really our first proper book back, I think. Or no, we read. Yeah. we also read High Republic. Um, That's true. But for me, I listened to that one. So like this was my first proper book actually sitting down and reading it. Um, it was a bit of a... It, it felt really long to me. Um, I don't know yeah, what it it's was. Actually, it's really not that long. But we've, we have actually been doing a lot of uh, Kevin J. Anderson for the last mm -hmm. while. Because before High Republic uh, or Light of the Jedi, the last full book we did, I think, would have been uh, Children of the Jedi, which wasn't... No. J. Anderson, but, but before that, aside from all that, yeah. we were doing uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy relatively recently, I mm -hmm. think. Maybe I'm just mixing up the No, we did year. it pretty recently. But we've also been doing the Young Jedi Knight books, mm -hmm. and I gotta say, I have enjoyed those more than this. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, so you read yours digitally, right? Or did you read your paper copy of this one? Uh, I read it on my Kindle this time. So this is like one of those books where you've always got the uh, the like last 30% of the book is dedicated to... Uh, yeah. I knew this one was going to be kind of long because like the proper stuff ended at 73%. So it's like, oh man, this is going to be quite a while. Wikipedia says it's 400 pages. Well, that's 400 Star Wars pages. All in all, though, quite a journey. One of those books that I think is actually much better if you just listen to the abridged version on audiobook, mm -hmm. which I also did. Because it's four hours long... And it cuts out, like, a lot of the unnecessary crap. Like, that fake Imperial General, he's not even mentioned. Which, okay. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that you, like, you could... So, for those of you who have not read Darksaber before, there's a few main plot points. I guess you could say the the hut stuff with Darksaber. So, the huts are under Durga the Hut, are building this uh, kind of Death Star super laser. Not a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. And that's one plot. Then the other main plot is Admiral Dalla and Gilad Pelion kind of uniting the Imperial warlords in the core. Mm -hmm. And there's a third plot that's Luke and Callista, <clears throat> who's yeah. the the old Jedi from the Old Republic that gets introduced in Children of the Jedi. It sounds like my microphone is messing up, but it's just my throat that has decided to stop working. <laughs> Man's dying over here. And then there's... Arguably a fourth <clears throat> plot as well of uh, Dorsk 81 and Kip Durin going yes. on their adventures. And I mean, That's they're also all, there. They're all fairly like it doesn't it almost doesn't make sense for the Durga the Hut stuff and the um, Dala stuff to be in the same book just because yeah. like they're so different and they, they never like you'll get that a lot in Star Wars books, but then they'll converge for one final battle or whatever else. Yeah. But in this book, they don't really do that. Yeah, and not only do they not converge here, they 
they don't really go anywhere, a lot of them, at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the Dallas... So, this book, to a certain extent, is important for mm-hmm. what it does elsewhere. Yeah. Like, it introduces and then kills off a lot of the warlords, but that kind of sets a lot of what gets built around in other source books for the warlords. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, so for anyone who knows about kind of the falling apart of the empire into the warlords and all those big battles of the post endor period most of that is just small illusions started here other than mm-hmm. like specifically thrawn and zinge and yeah. operation Shadowhand. like most of that you don't actually see anywhere other than mentions that get fleshed out in source books as having happened based on the appearances of characters in this book mm-hmm. uh but in this book they're kind of introduced you have teradoc harsk and Delvardis as kind of the main ones and a few other ones that are just not even named. Alluded to, yeah. Uh, And that's kind of what the Empire is broken down into. But they're killed off here. They don't really do much. We get a really big fleet that's built up by Dala and Pelion, but it's also mostly killed off here as well. So all this stuff that gets built up later of Pelion rebuilding and reunifying the Empire, Mm -hmm. the stuff from this book is kind of already gone at that point. Yeah, I mean, it is nice because it is, like, the formal end of the Warlord era, and after this point, you get more of, like, an Imperial Remnant, uh, which is which is kind of nice, I guess. Um, but it, it's just, it's a weird way to do it. It's weird that Dull is so, into, like, in on it, and... Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very strange book with a lot going on. Um, yeah. They should have cut out half these plots for um, Champions of the Force. <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's kind of the same problem i had there where uh in champions of the force you've finished within the first six chapters the entire mm-hmm. plot of the jedi academy trilogy and then you have what 20 to 30 other chapters where there's just new stuff introduced that kind of doesn't matter for the stuff that was happening before mm-hmm. and in this book there's like there's the three or four plots that don't converge and they all kind of sputter out on their own like the i I really do like that Kevin J. Anderson is, out of almost all the Star Wars authors, not afraid to bring in other people's work. Maybe it's mm-hmm. just James Lucino that is more willing to kind of play in other people's areas. Because mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of Star Wars authors, and chief among them is probably Timothy Zahn, who has their little corner. They don't want anyone playing with their toys, and they're not going to play with anyone else's toys. Uh, but Kevin J. Anderson really brings that stuff together. So that's how you get some of the references of Operation Ch- or of uh, Dark Empire stuff with Thrawn Trilogy stuff. And that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yep. But some of the execution of it kind of just means that they're pulling in the names and it's not really accomplishing much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the best tie-ins we actually get that are meaningful are with other Kevin J. Anderson stuff, like the, the Jedi yeah. Knight stuff. Like, I like that Kip Durin's in the book. Like that Silgal gets mentioned. Um, we even get an Exarkun reference, um, which, which is nice. But yeah, it's just a very strange, very strange book. So let's let's talk a bit about what actually happens. I guess we'll we'll take some time to discuss the the three or four main plot lines. Luke, I will say, is one of the most ridiculous plot lines in a Bantamera book because he, he basically goes and hits all the old famous locations. He starts off in Tatooine in a very needlessly extended scene where they're on like Tatooine for like 30 pages and ends up just being so Luke can visit, uh, Obi-Wan's hut and there's nothing there. But, uh, he starts off on Tatooine because Callista, who is the 
computer ghost that's inhabiting the body of one of his former students. And no, that is, I'm not making that up. There's actually a line that I saved from the book because I thought it did a good job of encapsulating. Let me just see if I can get to my notes. It did, I, th I thought it did a good job of encapsulating the, the kind of style of this book. I'll try to, let's see, my clippings. Where is it? There's... There's a lot of like consciousness, consciousness being separated from the body with like Callista, mm -hmm. with uh, Bevelemos getting yeah. reincarnated, and the the monks at the start that have apparently oh, are the yeah. actual originators of all hut architecture, mm -hmm. uh, and were like an order of monks that built Jabba's palace and were still in it the entire time that he was there. Yeah, that's funny because I just read the uh, the what's his name book. Um, about Bib Fortuna, I forget what mm -hmm. it's called, but from the from the Tales of Jabba's Palace book. So it was kind of nice to get revisiting that. But I've got a little paragraph here that I think just kind of lays out how ridiculous this trilogy is. <clears throat> Though Callista had been born decades before Luke, her spirit had been frozen within the computer of the automated dreadnought Eye of Palpatine. Luke had fallen in love with Callista's luminous form until she came back to life in the body of one of his brilliant students, who had sacrificed herself to destroy the Dreadnought. Now Callista was physically whole again, flesh and blood, beautiful. They could be together, but in a devastating irony, Callista had lost all her Jedi abilities in the transformation. She was alive again, but not the same, not completely there. They could no longer link with each other, mind and spirit. They'd only, they had only those heady days to remember, trapped together aboard the Eye of Palpatine. <laughs> And Luke does have sex with her in computer form. It's heavily oh, yeah, for sure. in the last yeah. in the last uh, book. So let's let's make sure that we get that out of the way. But there's this yeah. relationship is like infatuation at best and like hugely codependent uh, at worst. Totally, it's, it's the absolute worst relationship that Luke is in. I think. Well, I was gonna say it reminds me of like when somebody gets their first like girlfriend or boyfriend in high school. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just, they're just like gross about it. But like, yeah. it's like that, but Luke's 30 at this point. And then it's like getting cut off from like their ethereal realm is like maybe your girlfriend can't go on MSN anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you can only like, see I was her writing, in school now. <laughs> it's all Luke talks, like Luke's involved in some pretty intense shit, like stuff that's actually very important here mm -hmm. or should be very important. But he doesn't seem to care about literally anything but her. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was writing some fan fiction to you about what that looked like. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the I don't know. It's it's super unhealthy. It's like everything that we said was wrong with his relationship with Gariel. But mm -hmm. if it was at least somewhat reciprocated yeah. from when we did our first episode on Truce of Bakura. And uh, I don't know. It, it's not good. And the fact that this was intended when Barbara Hambly made the character and before Darksaber was made, this was supposed to be the, the true great love of Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. uh, until they realized between Children of the Jedi and Darksaber that, no, people actually like Mera better than this. Yeah. So this book, as part of the Callista trilogy, basically just existed to fridge Callista <laughs> and just get her out of there so that Mera can come back. Yeah, I, I like how Mara shows up on Yavin and she just like looks at Luke and just like... Like, God damn it. <laughs> like, shaking your head. Like, he's not ready yet. He needs more time. <laughs> yeah. But... Well, there's that scene with Callista and Mera, and they just talk about Luke and Callista. Like, yeah. I still go, man. 
<laughs> I stole your bitch. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something. And it's like the authors are clearly taking shots at each other with this. But mm-hmm. you took those shots, but you're in the in the book where that character has to be gotten rid of because people like the other one better. So yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, it's something so Callista's lost her force powers during the body switch um so luke is visiting all the old haunts he goes to tatooine no help he goes to dagobah no help he goes to hoth and this is i'm not joking a real thing that happens kills finishes off the wampa that he had taken the arm off of earlier um well it's leading an army of wampas That's another thing. So they go to Hoth, and there's like this uh, these people there because of course there is. It's Hoth. Everything happens there, despite the fact that it's supposed to be a barren uh, ice ball. They go to Hoth, and there are these game hunters there uh, hunting wampas. Except the wampas have basically decided to fight back. Luke and Mar or Luke and Mara, Luke and Callista see the entire <laughs> uh, party just ravaged. No one gives two shits about it. They just go on on their way. Luke almost dies here, too, because the Wampas go into the ship. They rip out the hyperdrive. They just totally mangle the ship. And it's just like... Like, did that need to be a thing? No. No. Um, so that's one of the major plot lines. And that... Eventually, they end up back at the... Uh, they end up back at Yavin, yeah, the Jedi Praxium. And that kind of ties in with other things. So that's the first major plot line. The second is Dala, who was thought dead by the Sun Crusher in Book 3 of the Jedi Academy series, is back. She's still as incompetent as ever, perhaps even more so. Um, she's decided that she'll travel to the Deep Core, which is where all the Imperial Warlords are, because the New Republic is gaining more and more of a foothold across the galaxy, so the Warlords are in the Deep Core. She's kind of taken it upon herself to be this envoy and is traveling between these different warlord factions and is trying to get them to to make peace and eventually she kills them all at toss beacon and kind of just she's emperor now yeah so she asks them all to work together gives them a deadline of like an hour where the Mm -hmm. doors are three hours hours where the doors are closed and they don't come to an agreement so she's like all right you're all gonna die now Mm -hmm. and she takes all their forces everyone else is pretty okay with it Mm -hmm. uh she gets Gilad Pelion on board, who was part of Teradox forces. Gets uh, was Cronus from Delvartis? I forget. All uh, yeah, I think so. But I do think there's one clever thing Dala does here that isn't really explained in text, but makes sense. Where she puts Pelion instead of keeping him in charge of Teradox forces, puts him on other stuff and puts Cronus in charge of the Crimson Command. Mm-hmm. So they're not still in the discrete entities of like the warlords forces being kept together. They're mixing. Yeah. And that's, that's always a good way to do things. If you're going to be mm-hmm. uh, taking over a bunch of warlords forces. I so like how Cronus is described him. as being ripped all the time. Yeah. It's like his biceps were bulging under and like, yeah, tell me more. <laughs> Very few people get character traits that aren't like physical characteristics. I know. Whereas like Durga's Cronus got a thing on his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's really skinny hut. Um, Just a worm. I thought that was a kind of a yeah. funny uh, image. Image. Callista has really long legs and is blonde. <laughs> Looks like thank God she took one of my hot students. <laughs> I was worried she was gonna get Silgal. <laughs> I would have done it, but I wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> 
I would have had to have some conversations with Winner. Winner, there. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. Oh, we've gotten sidetracked already. It's not sidetracked. We got to the main event of these podcasts. Yeah. Can you imagine though if she had taken Silgal and Luke was just like Luke knew how to cure her force like illness all the time, but he's like, I just don't want to do it. I just yeah. can't do it. She's it's it stinks. She stinks. Like Well, Callista said there's kind of two things with Callista's plot where she says uh she doesn't want to be with Luke if it can't be on even footing because there would be a power imbalance there. And Luke's like, no, that doesn't matter. I can use force powers for both of us and kind of misses the point the entire time. Yeah. Uh, Because Luke is just bad at all romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that she can use the force if she's using the dark side. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where Luke's like, just do that. (laughs) No, don't do that. Yeah, not one of Luke's more gamer moments. Or I guess that was a gamer moment of Luke. He's like, doesn't matter. Like, it's worth a try, isn't it? Yeah. She's like, no, I'm a Jedi. I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, like, there's some weird stuff there where she's like, oh, then our kids won't be Jedi. And (laughs) screw those normies. (laughs) But, like, she's kind of right in that if she's not going to feel comfortable with Luke having all that power and being, like, out front as the... Mm-hmm. Jedi master and reminder of what she used to be able to do then yeah it's totally fair that she wouldn't want to be around that but Luke just doesn't seem to listen or care to about anything that he that she says and while she's around he doesn't seem to listen to or care about anything anyone else says mm-hmm. like they get to Yavin which is under attack by Admiral Dalla because she thinks that they can't take Coruscant they're going to do some raids on other planets but their main assault is going to be against Yavin and if they can wipe out the Jedi then that'll be their first real blow against the New Republic. It'll be a small, undefended world. They have a massive fleet. It should be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in fighting them off, which we'll we'll get to the whole battle later, one of Luke's students dies, and Luke doesn't seem concerned at all by any of what's going on beyond, like, where's Callista in all this? Mm-hmm. And it seems like he has a responsibility to the rest of these students, many of whom are probably quite young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just doesn't care. I mean, to be fair, the guy dies in a pretty epic way. Borsk, yeah. Or not Borsk, Dorsk. Yeah. Dorsk failure. <laughs> Poor Dorsk failure. Oh, God, I don't <laughs> want to imagine the Borsk failure clones, but yeah. Uh, it's like, shut up. Like, I, like, what else is he going to do? I will say, during the Yavin fight, the Jedi are, like, the most powerful we ever see them. Like, the shit they're doing. Like, yeah. Shireen out of nowhere is, like, summoning a hurricane and swatting TIE fighters of the air. They're, like, throwing rocks and trees and, like, full-on yeah. guerrilla warfare. Yeah, and then Cam, uh, there's some juggernauts, and Cam, like, tricks the driver into shooting the uh, their own juggernaut. He kind of points the turret towards the juggernaut mm-hmm. and mind-tricks the stormtrooper running it to mm-hmm. shoot at the enemy. And one shot takes out the juggernaut, so that that might be a little bit. Uh, no, I think it's of fine. bad engineering, but I do like this... that we get juggernauts so so soon be or so much earlier than the prequels. Yeah, well, this is the first place that takes them from like the source Concept books, art, right? Oh, is, oh yeah, uh, yeah, because it, it was in some West End games. Yeah, I think, but I think they're I ultimately know, what... based on ATAT concept art, though. Yeah. Although obviously they're they're wheeled. 
everything is just ultimately based on episode four concept art. <laughs> um, speaking of, we do get some interesting ship things in this book. Um, for one, we get the, is it the shockwave, right? Is that the... Yeah. And they describe that as larger and more powerful than a standard Star Destroyer. So maybe that's something you could do for uh, for TR. That We actually have that as an allegiance in TR. Oh, okay. Do you? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like but that. yeah, we have, uh, how many Star Destroyers do they build? It's like 40 that they build up. They I don't know how many they to... actually built, but they, they get like 40 Star Destroyers and like 120 victories or something. Yeah. I think they build up from 73 v- VSTs that Teradoc has at the start mm-hmm. to, is it like 214 or 114, something like that. I think it's 114. Uh, yeah. So we get the ISDs, the VSDs, then we have Shockwave which mm-hmm. is Hearth's fl- flagship. Destroyed. Uh, yeah, that, that dies. Yeah. But the, but how did you feel about how the battles kind of went in this? Because we have this giant force. Cronus goes uh, as Dallas. So Pelion and Cronus kind of act as Dallas' second in command or second and third in command. Mm-hmm. Cronus has the victory fleet. He's going and doing some raids across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh while they prepare for their assault Which is on the another thing Dala does in Jedi Academy Trilogy. Yeah. And so there's actually a lot of battles that happen out of this, but over very mm-hmm. short periods of time. Uh, and Pelion takes their main Star Destroyer force. He ends up with, I think, 17 that are there mm-hmm. going to Yavin and get yeeted out of the gravity well by mm-hmm. the Jedi. Because uh, a few Jedi, they just, they just eat make them. Starkiller look like he's completely weak i guess yeah they they put them faster than the speed of light just out of the fucking at the picture they just like insta teleport them out of there yeah destroying their hyper like rendering their hyperdrives non-functional and they're far enough out that when dalla finally gets their night hammer which is a black armor plated super star destroyer along with cronus and his mm-hmm. uh i think he has like 14 17 to 14 there's a Around there, we actually get numbers VSTs in this book, which in. is strange. We yeah. don't usually get numbers, <laughs> and I really like that we got the numbers and that they seem to be going to like pretty big fleets mm-hmm. on the Imperial side. Yeah, on the New Republic side, a super star destroyer and every fucking victory star destroyer in the galaxy is shooting at Galactic Voyager, a single <laughs> MC ninety, for what seems like the better part of an hour. Well, and they lose. To be fair, at that point, I think they only have 14 victories there. Yeah. Well, um, the three got destroyed because some DP-20s flew into them. <laughs> Is that what they were? I, I always think CR-90 when I read. I thought but they, they were said gunship, didn't gun, they? Gunship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. it's DP-20. You're right. I don't know why I always uh, think. Although the, that art I think I've got in the thumbnail has Corvettes, but not that it matters. But um, it, Yeah. It's, either way, it they get destroyed by having some... CR9, like, small Corvettes just fly into them. Yeah. I did, like, explode. killing the 13X like that, but... Yeah. It, it's also just, like, the Galactic Voyager just, like, lancing out and just absolutely fucking one up whenever it feels like, but I do like how that's kind of a inadvertent, um... What's it called? The Akbar Slash. Because he's right, right in the middle of two forces, but... Hmm. Um... Was well, gonna... Yeah, this... he survives a long time. I kind of... Imagine that the Superstar Destroyer is very far away, so it's like at the edge of its engagement range, kind of just a little bit like doing damage. But yeah, it's a it's a. Well, remember one. earlier in the book, we get some war games between Akbar and Wedge, and Akbar just looks like a fucking idiot in this <laughs> yeah. book. 
at every point because they're uh, Han and Leia are going to Nalhada to uh, to spy on the Huts, but under the guise of doing diplomatic overtures because mm-hmm. the Huts had come to Coruscant with these furry little ferrets to steal information on the Death Star. They mm-hmm. invite Han and Leia back, like, oh, we want to be friends. They really don't want to be friends. They just wanted the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to figure out what's going on, they Han and Leia go to Nalhada. They bring the fleet to kind of do a show of force. And part of this task force, you have Akbar and I think it's three or five of the Krellian gunships, whatever that is, if that's corvettes or gunboats, whatever it ends up being. And then on the other side, you have Wedge, who has the Yavaris Dodonna and a couple of his own Krellian gunships. Mm-hmm. Uh, no no business winning against the Galactic Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> MC-90. Yeah, so like Akbar goes to fly between them, which is like, oh, we got him now. And they just immediately take out Galactic Voyager. Yeah. But then later, all those VSDs and some pot shots, at the very least, from Nighthammer mm-hmm. can't, can't touch Galactic Voyager shields. So I don't know what's going on mm-hmm. with the power here. But the VSDs are described as being pretty weak in this book. Um, yeah. Like in a lot of sources, VSDs are supposed to be slow. Um, and the Imperial Star Destroyers are supposed to be fast. Um, it's just, especially like the old source books. Um, I mean, the Star Destroyer itself is always portrayed as being pretty fast. But in this, the VSDs are kind of just smaller, more mobile. And it's like one Star Destroyer is doing a pretty good job of like, you know, it, it's like... The shockwave is being attacked by literally a hundred of them, mm-hmm. um, and it still manages to take a few out. So yeah, like, I think this is where part of the distinction between the VSD one and two comes for, from, where like mm-hmm. the VSD one is the super slow one, and the VSD two doesn't have the missiles because those never get mentioned, and that's why I think uh, that's what we assume Crimson Command is yeah, VSD two based on that and the speed uh, for Thrones Revenge at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, like I don't know that. It, I don't like Kevin J. Anderson's space battles because no. it's always the same. Like, there's no proportionality of forces mm-hmm. there. It could have been a really cool battle if you give Akbar some more forces and then have some attrition on both sides. Yeah. Instead, it's just like none of this, nothing really ends up mattering. The main enemy, which is Nighthammer, gets defeated by some weird thing. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, uh, Callista goes up to the Nighthammer in a TIE bomber that they've hijacked from the ground. She finds another squadron of TIE bombers within the hangar and blows up all their Montillions within the hangar, <laughs> which shuts off the engines. Uh, and then it just plunges into the into the planet, into Yavin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that, that, to be fair. It, Crashing it just seems the... like it doesn't take much to actually do it there. No, like, it the doesn't. The hangar's midship, and then the engines are way back there, and they're all just completely taken out by one squadron worth of yeah. Montillions on the inside. And <laughs> You're not going to know what you mean when you say Montillions. I know, but it, it's still that's part of the fun to me. <laughs> the munitions. Uh, but, like, in every, almost everything we read from Kevin J. Anderson, there's, like, there's not really any stakes because this is the one case where you think, oh, is this where we gonna, we're going to get one of our heroes dying with Callista? Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, no, she escaped in a small metal cylinder. Just like, <laughs> yeah, we get our first major hero death in the EU in this book. Um, when we lose, what's his name? Crix Maydeen. Yeah, who I actually yeah. love. He's one of my favorite rebels. Um, Does he come up in many books until, like, I don't think he ever I don't think came he's, up. I don't think he's in many. I just, I always liked him in Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah. Because, like... Uh, also, I'll Kraken... be right back. Mike, Gus is, Gus is crying. Can you just All right. keep yeah. summarizing? 
Uh, yeah, so like Kraken usually ends up in the intelligence position in like X-Wing and everything. But here we get Crix Maydeen, who's the general from uh, from episode six. So General Mardoon, that guy. Uh, and he ends up infiltrating Darksaber with some other intelligence operatives, which is kind of the the third subplot of this book is what are the huts doing with this super weapon and so he dies here and this is i think this is the first instance we get of a movie character dying but he is relatively minor uh in the broader eu i don't know that he gets brought up much in other books before here i wouldn't be surprised if he only got like one or two mentions whereas people like yando donna uh he's pretty heavily featured in the x-wing series uh, so we do end up losing Crix, but Callista is more directly relevant in the plot here. We get Dorsk dying because of his own actions, because uh, throwing all the Star Destroyers takes all that energy. But like Callista probably should have died there, especially if they were trying to get rid of her for the book. Uh, but she will be back for Planet of Twilight, I believe, uh, as the next one. So she's still alive, but this is something that happens in... A lot of Kevin J. Anderson's books were like uh, Kip, the first time we see him in the Jedi Academy trilogy, he survives after the Sun Crusher by ejecting himself in a message tube. Callista and Dalla both survive by using escape pods here. And there's the thing with like the message tube from Zek in Young Jedi Knights uh, when they're attacking Coruscant, I think. So that's the... That's kind of the standard thing is like if someone disappears in one of kevin j anderson's books uh just expect them to pop up in a in a message pod or an escape pod right after like long enough after that you get this scene of like getting people's reactions to them dying but then you don't actually lose them because the imperials are uh tallying their losses after the battle uh a lot of the vsds and a lot of the isds do manage to escape Nighthammer doesn't but uh Pelion's thinking about like does this mean Dal is dead what are we going to do from here have we lost again and luckily for them Dalla hasn't died but she resigns her posting so Pel this is how Pelion ends up in charge of the empire uh and a lot of his forces will come from going and reuniting with the Moff Council and then also uh, incorporating the Penistar alignment into their territory, which is the one major mm -hmm. warlord who isn't mentioned in this. Uh, so Artis Kane has another warlord group off in the Outer Rim. Didn't he uh, die during Dark Empire? Yeah, Kane okay. died during Operation Shadowhand, but the mm -hmm. Penistar alignment stayed alive. Right. Uh, and that kind of becomes the core of the Empire's territory after this point, mm -hmm. when Pala passes off, when Dalla passes off power to Pelion, <laughs> not Pala. Did you get the feeling that the Night Hammer might not be an executor class, or is that just me? Because uh, originally, um, originally, Pelion doesn't know what it is. Well, I think that's just because it was so well hidden. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because it's kind of close. It's also black, the yeah. Then the lights turn on. It's like, oh, look, a Super Star Destroyer. Because it was given the same incorrect length as... Uh, yeah, the eight... Eight clicks. Yeah, because like Iron Fist was given that length. Uh, WEG stuff gives executors that length. The executor mm -hmm. itself, Lusanke, gets mentioned with it. it. Wasn't till later, until we got the much mm -hmm. longer. Which is numbers. why the Eclipse needs to get its proper rescale. 
because the eclipse has the length of 10 miles or like 17 kilometers, whatever that ends up being. Back when regular Star Destroyers were only 8 kilometers. So like, you need to... Well, a... it's always a bulkier a bulkier ship. So it is technically bigger no matter what. Yeah, but I mean, if, if, you, if you... I'm not actually saying they should have done this, but... I think the, I always think the intention there was to make a ship that was like ridiculously strong. But yeah. That's neither here nor there. It has a super laser. That's always strong. But speaking of super lasers, <laughs> Dark Saber sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, the idea for the Dark Saber is not bad, but it's like they bought the Dark Saber, or they bought, it's like buying the Death Star on Wish.com or something, <laughs> where it's like absolutely nothing works they they're building it with like old like raspberry pies basically <laughs> um it's just it's not good so yeah the, the idea for the dark saber is, is what i think is a pretty a pretty smart one they're taking the idea of a death star cutting out all the bullshit that you need for an actual space station keeping the kind of super laser aperture and the super laser tube and everything like that and the the power generation and then cutting the rest out so instead of looking like a big circle or a sphere you've got kind of like a cylinder a much more mobile and much cheaper to make cylinder um yeah yeah you're not concerned about being a base you just want to go shake some people down for some money Mm -hmm. maybe blow up a planet here or there Mm -hmm. being designed by the executive or by the death star's original designer Mm -hmm. bevel emelisk but not the original body of the Death Star's original designer, because <laughs> apparently Pelion has kind of a fetish where he will uh, execute people, you mean but clone them. Who did I say? Pelion. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all it's all P people. I don't know. Palpatine executed him after the Death Star was destroyed, and, and then like six other times. Other <laughs> yeah. Uh, dipped him in some molten copper because quote. Uh, <laughs> That's what the smelter was doing that day. <laughs> I mean, the man's uh, the the man's not got time to find anything else. Yeah, he's like feeds him. He he throws him on an airlock. He has him eaten by bugs and lots of stuff. And yeah, I mean, why not? I guess when did when did so one of the deaths is that Palpatine has Bevel Emilisk eaten by bugs from mm. Yavin after he learned that the planet was going to be destroyed. And he's like, you know what? There's actually some shit I really like there. Go grab me some of those. It's like, oh, you you didn't blow up the planet, so now what do I need these for? They can eat you. But <laughs> when did he have this chance? Like, were there Imperial Commando teams sneaking into Yavin while the Death Star was on the way, or when the countdown was happening? Like, oh, we gotta get these bugs for the Emperor. Maybe they were just in the zoo. But he says he rescued them because they were gonna blow the planet up. Corey, listen, buddy, there's a lot of problems in this book. I'm not too worried about Palpatine's piranha this beetles. Is, this is the one that keeps me up, okay? <laughs> you did. I, I was like, I was I was awoken from my slumber at 3.30 in the morning, just from one, one text before I just said, but what about the bugs? <laughs> <laughs> that isn't even what I meant. Please, ex- please explain the book. I'm like, Corey, you don't live in your roach-infested apartment anymore. <laughs> <laughs> See, that is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, but how are they doing? <laughs> Um, oh, someone in the chat says, did the TIE pilot who was trying on Yavin 4 give him the bugs? I assume he's referring to Oral. Is, what's his name? Oral? Or, Oral. But he's still Oral. there. He's still there. Yeah, he's Luckily, not, he's he didn't get there. taken out by a stray turbo laser bolt. Yeah, that that would have been unfortunate for him. Because, like, Jaina and Jason, they aren't <laughs> at... They are not the Young Jedi Academy yet, so... Mm-hmm. 
I, I do. I did think it fu- funny too, and they were describing the kids, and they're like, Anakin was two years old. All he did was sleep. I was like, that's not what two year olds do. <laughs> He's like, he never <laughs> talked, and like all he did was sleep. I was like, you should take him to a doctor. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not normal development. Like, maybe shipping him off across the galaxy with a nanny, watching her fuck some giant fish man, has affected his development a little bit. <laughs> Poor Anakin. How much of that do you think he saw? He saw a lot. Oh, he saw everything. That's why he made sloshing noises while he was dying on yeah. Mercure. Yeah, he's seen everything. It's just awful. Someone needs to die. It needs to be me. That's well, why he the... suggested the mission. He just yeah. wanted... Like, I've been looking for an out for a long time after seeing these things. But speaking of executions... Durga the Hutt does some executions where he has everyone's chair wired to electrocute them. Yeah. And the first appearance of the Imperial Mm -hmm. non-general, I think he's like walking in, or it might be Bevel, uh, where he's walking to the bridge after Durga has executed someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wow, it smells like overcooked sausages. This this is delicious. Oh, God. It's a frying Deveronian, I think. And then later he has an Austin Powers moment where he kills the wrong guy. He's like, oh, you're sitting yeah. in a different chair today. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. This one. Let that be a warning to you. <laughs> I mean, that was a very kind of hot thing to do, to be fair. Yeah. But like, we, we do have... When you were gone, I was kind of giving the, the breakdown of Crix going into the into Darksaber. He's put out there. Uh, he sends the signal back to the New Republic that this threat to the galaxy's there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ed, this is all... In the Hoth asteroid belt, while Luke and Callista are on on that planet, and Han and Leia must fly past this at some point. Uh, but the way this super weapon dies isn't from Wedge's fleet coming <laughs> in and destroying it. Wedge's tiny ass fleet, keep in mind. Uh, yeah. It's because they're running away from Wedge's assault frigate. He gets smashed. Gets smashed by an asteroid. Which I thought was nice. And Bevel manages to escape, gets picked up by Wedge's ship. He's like, oh, yeah, how about that? Mm-hmm. Didn't think that would work anyways. I, if I remember correctly, I think he's killed off screen. Like, I think he's executed, but I'm not sure. I thought I remember reading that somewhere. Bevel, Lombolisk, let's see. He's not killed. Yeah, yeah. We do get the mention of, like, oh, he'll probably be executed, but yeah. it's not part of this book that he gets executed. He does say, like, oh, just make sure you do it correctly this time. Yeah, they just read that on Wiki. It might be, a, like, a essential guide to characters thing or something where it says... Yeah. He was killed. <laughs> he do be dead. <laughs> got him. That's all it says is, got him at the end. Got <laughs> so, do you think Bevel Lemelisk has some uh, daughter out there who sacrificed herself for the Alliance, or... <laughs> uh so would you take uh would you take a krennic or or a lemolis well i see him more as a galen urso type yeah or would maybe you, would maybe you take, Quijux uh... is galen urso because hmm. she's kind of unwitting yeah because yeah, bevel's in on it the whole time he doesn't really care he's kind of more like the post-war nazi scientists that end up mm-hmm. going to every nation yeah he's the werner von braun also, I was just looking at Wikipedia for this, and uh, look, when you look at that, number three, Dark Saber's trending. 
they definitely. I'm not going to examine this any further, but I'm going to assume they're talking about the dark saber from this book, just because of the immense reach that us, the only Star Wars podcast, have. That, yeah. or, that sorry, that we, the only Star Wars podcast, have. Yeah, um, when we tweeted this out, it was uh, yeah. it was game over for every other article. It's crazy it that our Mandalorian stuff is still trending from when we covered those episodes as well. Yeah. Yep. You're welcome, Disney, for uh, <laughs> putting that out there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Please return but, my calls and give me the episodes early, please. <laughs> there is there's one other subplot that I've been kind of tracking throughout the Young Jedi Knights books, and a little bit in the other stuff, but it hasn't really come up outside of Young Jedi Knights so far. Where we know eventually Anakin is, or not Anakin, that Jason Solo is going to become a Sith Lord. Uh, so I've been looking for sociopathic tendencies from him mm-hmm. in these earlier parts of his life because, like, everyone thinks, oh, he was such a sweet kid, loved animals, but. I'm here to tell you that he gets like one line here or one scene here showing him mm-hmm. and it's kind of disturbing. It's yeah, it's pretty bad because they're they're on uh, they're at the Imperial Palace yeah. and they're over like some some banisters overlooking a crowd and uh, Jason says, I guess I'll just kill them all. Yeah, so <laughs> they're they're looking down at everyone. And the twins are, like, overlooking the banisters. And Jaina says, look at the people. They're so tiny. Jason says, can I throw something down? <laughs> Looking for an object to toss over the edge. No, you may not, Leia said. But Jaina's going to, the boy responded. <laughs> no, she isn't. No, I'm not. So Jason is just looking to, like, drop some shit on some people. Motherfucker's looking for an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, uh... And then Anakin, too, there's, like, one scene where I think they're seeing maybe Han off into a shuttle, and Anakin's just, like, looking at the sky menacingly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's like, you're lucky I got killed earlier. I would have been even worse. Anakin was always the sweet one. I don't think he had any signs, did he? Does Anakin have any sort of dark side arc? Because it's been a long time since I read NJO. He should have, like, he was basically the sure of himself Jedi warrior mm-hmm. uh, at a time when everyone kind of thought the Jedi would just be old warriors. Yeah. And... If they had killed, um, what's her name? Uh, is, is... Tahiri? Yeah. If they'd killed Tahiri in Star by Star, maybe that could have been an interesting setup for. Uh... Mm-hmm. Man, I'm not looking forward. If, if we read Junior Jedi Knights, I'm not looking forward to reading those early NJO stuff just because they, like, take all that. It's like, you know all these characters that you loved reading about when you were kids? Yeah. I'm, I'm literally going to have diarrhea all over them. Yeah, like, like, Ikrit and Anakin just die in probably some of the most brutal ways possible. And Tahiri might have, like, the worst life Yeah, she gets, like, badly, anyone. badly tortured and, and, like, Vong. <laughs> she gets yeah. Vonged, basically. She gets vonged, watches her boyfriend die, gets mm-hmm. taken advantage of even before uh, Jason becomes a Sith Lord by him. Uh, yeah, right. Like you want to see the past, baby. Jason's not a good person, even when he's supposed to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, yeah, not good, not good. Or Tahiri. Oh, yeah, and then someone points out there's that scene where Tahiri tries to seduce Ben when Ben's, like, 14. Yeah. That's really weird. That'll be in Troy Legacy. Denning does write some scenes, though. <laughs> Troy Denning do be including some uncomfortable stuff in his books. <laughs> <laughs> 
should have him on for that book. I forget which Legacy of the Force book it is. You're like, Troy, what were you thinking when you made uh, 18-year-old <laughs> Tahiri try to touch 15-year-old Ben's wiener? Was that a conscious thing you did, or was that... What was the point of this scene? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we got next, another guest for next you question. here, Troy. Uh, this... <laughs> the twins loved colored cubes of fizzing protein gelatin. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, let's move on. Uh, well, this page is just full of so many so many things to talk about. Leia appreciated Mon Mothma's confidence in her when the former chief of state passed the torch of leadership. Yeah. The whole so no does... elections thing in the Democratic Republic. I'm, I'm sure they're just happening off screen, right? Like, it's not just... Uh, I don't know. It kind of seemed like... Maybe it's like this thing where... Like, you elect the Senate... And then, but they elect chief of state as the GA because we get a uh, well, Steve Martin elect, elected, or no? He's yeah, still he gets the elected Republic as the at last that point, New Republic they? one. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Mass does reorganize Steve the Martin. Republic into the first Galactic Alliance <laughs> immediately, with like entirely from his own power. Mm-hmm. So I do think the New Republic may still have some problems with executive overreach. Do you think there. after like the Jedi had propped him up, like? And like Luke and them had went out of their way to make sure he wins. They're like kind of pulling at their collar, be like, Ooh, like, like I don't know this guy. He just kind yeah. of ended the government. Like, <laughs> well, he didn't end the government so much as he subsumed changed. it within other governments and yeah. other governments within them. So GA's the federal so structure of the Galactic Alliance is kind of strange. It's almost like I still think the uh, degree to which the empire is included is inconsistent, but yeah. Well, because a lot of them are just kind of member states where there's the overall government of the Galactic Alliance, which kind of replaces the New Republic, mm-hmm. uh, and they have some jurisdiction over member states, but there is a lot of... Except the New uh, Republic, which they've, like, fully subsumed. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like the difference between, like, England under the UK Parliament versus Scotland, where Scotland still has its own mm-hmm. Scottish Parliament, but... Yeah. The, <laughs> so it's not point. quite the Canadian style of federalism. It's mm-hmm. more unitary state, but with... Awesome. We elected uh, Dala as MLA. Yeah, that was that wasn't a good. That wasn't good. No, the Dala whole thing where Dala becomes chief of state. It's is, so dumb, man. This is yeah. Look, listen. Dala blew a hundred star destroyer advantage to zero against a world with no ships, yes. no turbo lasers. Like you know what you could have done instead of sending Thai bombers down, just shot it from space. No, because the Jedi send the ship away. It did mean that Dorsk 81, who gathered all the power of the Jedi into himself to shove him out a little bit, he does fry himself. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking wreck, Dorsk. Holy shit. Like, one of the Jedi just laughing in the background. (laughs) Kip's like, we must find Silgul. It's like, Kip. I have no eyes. <laughs> I just imagine, like, he's, like, turned into, like, a pile of dust. And, like, <laughs> like Kip's just, like, getting his dust pan. He's, like, he's, like, sweeping a dust pan. Someone get Silgul. <laughs> get me Silgul and some super glue. <laughs> we can still save him. Oh, grief does strange things to a man. <laughs> God, I, I can't wait till we get to Legacy of the Force to really just see <laughs> how we get to a situation with dala in charge well from what i remember luke kind of just picks out of a crowd he's like uh you 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 he's like eeny meeny my dala go ahead (laughs) 
Oh, what dollar you want me to leave now? That's cool too. Buy oh, you should just. He's like, it was either between Dollar or Boba Fett, and to be honest, it was a fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, okay, we're gonna either choose Dollar, Boba Fett, or we're gonna revive Jason and give him a second shot. <laughs> well, the really weird part about Fate of the Jedi is when they meet that the Sith, the Lost Tribe of the Sith, and the first oh, yeah. question he has for Vesterikai's dad is, "What to be Chief of State?" <laughs> God, his dad's such a dick. Or her dad's such a dick, I remember now. Oh, Lost Tribe of the Sith. That's some weirdness. God, the, we were we were heading into some fucking weird territory yeah. after... Luke hunting uh, down the... the uh, and... Well, the last thing we get is Luke setting up the quest knights to find the Temple of Mortis, or the Mortis monolith. Yeah. And Luke was going to go get, like... I remember if he's going to get the dagger of Mortis so he could kill because they don't actually kill Abeloth for good in those books. No, it's just, it just it's like round her one a, over. Well, you have to beat her every 20,000 years or something is basically <laughs> what the story is. Anytime there's going to be war, you have to beat her. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> but it's always a war. <laughs> We've got two Imperial Remnant Wars scheduled for next week. <laughs> Everybody call Darth Crate. <laughs> Yeah, the Darth Crate stuff is a bit weird, too. Uh, well, the thing is, all that stuff would have had to fill a century between... Uh, God, between Fate of the Jedi and Legacy. the Legacy Comics. Yeah. So we knew where we were going with it, eventually. It's just some of the specifics would have to be filled in. And that's kind of the same issue that we have with a lot of the like inter-trilogy periods and now the stuff between... like. Uh, the stuff where you kind of know what's going to happen, but not mm -hmm. the specifics. Yeah. But we do have a few email questions, unless you want to, unless there's more you want to get to with the, with our own notes here. Um, some emails and some rankings to do, I believe. On one occasion, they describe Streen as like confused looking, which I just thought was really funny. Um, well, I've never really considered Streen to be one of the powerhouses of the New Jedi Order. Mm -hmm. And Karana T sees him like... <laughs> You may not like it, but this is what female performance looks like. <laughs> it's like strange, just like drooling and just like whipping his finger around <laughs> in a circle. They're they're absolutely banging, right? Karana T and Strain, are we shipping that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm starting to see what you mean. I am part of the problem, aren't I? I will say there's also one thing that just stuck out to me as being a little ludicrous is that moth that um that we that they oh, the, Crix the Maidin uses as a tracker because there's like there's sometimes in Star Wars where you get technology that's like yeah if if this were something that was like made sense in the lore they'd use it all the time and apparently Star Wars now has nanotechnology at a moth scale that can hide itself on ships and track it across the galaxy it's like why didn't you do that yeah. for anything else? <laughs> it's one of life's great mysteries. Yeah, it was probably just a regular one, and then he just he just likes moths. He's just he's laughing. He's like smiling to himself, like, hee, 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 putting the tracker on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> flappy, flappy. <laughs> the moth did that. <laughs> he just calls Akbar. Moth find ship. <laughs> oh man no I think that's all I got to say I mean just, you, you want to give overall thoughts and do so how do you want to do this you want to do questions first overall should we stay on the uh, book maybe yeah then... we'll, we'll do the we'll do the ranking and kind of overall thoughts and we'll get to 
emails until we got to go do Birio cards. So okay, what are your overall thoughts? I'm I didn't love it. Uh, there were parts of it that I enjoyed, but overall, I think this is going to be kind of closer to the bottom. Mm-hmm. There's some important stuff here for broader lore stuff, and that is usually what I enjoy. But at the same time, uh, I'm just not a huge fan of how the story was told or the particulars of the story being told. And I feel like there's so much here that's kind of unnecessary. Uh, and much like my thoughts on the Jedi Academy trilogy, a lot's there that just kind of undermines itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, this is going to be probably between uh, Dark Apprentice and Champions of the Force. I, I wanted to get the, the ranking set up for this week, but I, I didn't because I couldn't find the video. I'm probably just going to have to go back to the overall ranking video and reconstruct it from there. So it'll be in that area for me. How about you? I like this more than Children of the Jedi, largely because it's not just stuck on one ship that I don't like the premise of in the first place. And like we do actually get to see the galaxy. Like I like scenes where you have Leia actually being Chief of State and on Coruscant and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Um, I didn't. I think my least favorite plot plot line was the Luke Callista stuff. It was just like, yeah, so boring. One thing we didn't talk about that I kind of liked was the flashback scenes. Um, we got with Bevel Lemelisk, uh, usually with Tarkin, but I think there were a few other ones. I thought those yeah. were fun. Um, yeah, the Akbar backstory is nice there. Yeah. Oh yeah, because we get Akbar as a slave. I I think that had been established before, right? Yeah, I think it was with. Uh with the Jedi Academy right yeah yeah I think you're right um so this is like better than like I I like this more than I'll like say Crystal Star or than I than I like Children of the Jedi but it's not certainly not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination Mm -hmm. um all right uh do you have like a an idea of what tier that's gonna put it in for you Mm, it'll be a it'll be bottom C for me I think bottom C wow that's higher than I thought it would be. maybe a D I mean I, I don't think I've got any below D right now I don't so. think you yeah I think I don't know if you have a D at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> shut up shut up shut up <laughs> I a think here yeah I think maybe I put children of the Jedi in D but I'm not positive mm-hmm. um, let's just go read bed star again Medstar was quite good. Uh, but yeah, so I guess before we get to, to emails, do you want to decide what we're doing next week? I haven't really thought about it yet. I mean, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'd kind of like to take a, a week off from reading, if I'm being honest. So if there's something yeah. we could think about to talk for that. Um, I don't there's, know. I mean, season one of Rebels. Uh yeah, I, I kind of want to watch it all again, though, because I just watched all four seasons, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to watch it again, so like, I'd like to plan that a bit in advance so I can yeah. spread over at least a couple weeks. So we should probably plan around the episode on the 4th of March, that week being Victory's Price, right? Oh, yeah, right. Uh, so we'll kind of plan backwards from there. Maybe we'll just do a, a quick planning session here. I'll say I also got Victory's Price, and I did email to see if I could get it for you as well. So maybe we oh. could do it. W- when does it actually release? I think it releases on the 3rd, and we'd normally be recording on the 4th. I don't know if I'm going to be able to read it. Yeah, so if you can day, get it in advance, but... we can do it on the 4th. 
I will say, I, like honestly, if it releases on the third, I might just sit there and read it. The only problem is if we do it that way, we don't give time for ordinary people to read along with us. Ordinary people. <laughs> well, I mean, who wants to, you know, the listeners. Yeah, the listeners. I mean, ordinary people who don't can't write start reading Star Wars books off as part of their job. Yeah. I will say I've read a little bit of it, and oh man, it's really really good. I did my I, I did I, my Control F at the beginning of the book, and you know I, I've told this many times. Whenever I get a new advanced reader's copy of a book, I go to the program and I Control F certain words. Found a lot in this one that got me excited. Wow. Are you done? Already, no, or no. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it this. That's kind of why I want to do something I don't have to read because I want to read it this yeah. week. Uh, so we have basically three episodes between now and then uh i think the young jedi, young jedi Knight books are still reading so there's that yeah we could do that or like we could just do three weeks of young jedi knights because we do need to finish them or we could do a comic maybe yeah i'm trying to think do you have any any thought anything that's jumping out or maybe if chad has anything that's jumping out to do as like a topical one hmm. or I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, like I'm looking to chat to see if there's any. We could also just take some, take some ideas. Eventually, we could do another question episode as well because there were some questions we didn't get to, mm -hmm. uh, and people seemed interested in that. Yep, so that's true. I'm trying to think if there's any, and we did. We also did do the last questions one on my channel, I think. So it would be on yeah. yours. So it'd be a good switch. Hmm. Well, that also means we might not get as many questions. We could but, also do Into the Dark at some point. I'm not sure how short it is, because um, it is a young reader's book, but I don't think it's that short. Mm -hmm. um, I personally would yeah. also like to do uh, Cross... Um, Starbucks... No. What's the name of that book? I almost said Star by Star. It's not that. I almost said Across the Stars. <laughs> nice it's short not one. that. The, the one that came out with Light of the Jedi? No. Yeah, well, that's Into the Dark, isn't it? Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, how long is that? I'm just looking right now. It's probably still pretty wrong. Yeah, it's 352 pages, so... How many issues of Crimson Empire are there? Or how many... For Crimson Empire 1, I think it's only, like, four issues. It's not very long. Well, I was... I even mean overall, because we might be able to just oh. do... Uh, yeah, there's 20 total issues of Crimson Empire. That's quite a bit. 20 issues. Mm. And they're, like, Crimson Empire 1 is very different than 2 and 3. Well, do you want to just say we'll do Crimson Empire 1 next week? Sure. Yeah. That's six issues of a comic. I think that's not... Oh, that's... that's Doing one is definitely... I just meant doing all 20 at once is a lot. No, I, I was going to say, like, since we have three weeks, if we did Crimson Empire 1, 2, oh. and 3 in a row, then we yeah, get them cool. all done at once. Yeah. Yeah. I so I just wanna... read them... Uh, I think Crimson Empire 2 has the Lusanki in it as well, which is cool. Yeah. So do you want to just... We'll commit to that right now. We'll do Crimson Empire 1, 2, 3, and then Victory's Price after that. That'll be our next month. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll Lock her in. Lock her in, buddy. Maybe it's not Crimson Empire 2 that has the Lusanki in it. Okay, well, now, fuck it. We're not doing it. Is it, though? Which is the one with that has the... No, it's not Crimson Empire that's got that. I was thinking of something else. Which is the comic that's got, like, the... The Imperial Warlord using all of the... Imper or all the old Republic technology... Remember? Uh, that's the shit. The restored. People. Yeah, the restored empire. 
What comic is that? Is that... Um... Uh, oh, it is Crimson Empire 3. Is okay. It? Yep. Because okay, that has the Lusanki in it in comic book form, which is kind of cool. And I think there's an... I think Han Solo has in command of it for some reason. Wow. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get to our email questions here. Um, there were one or two more that got in afterwards for for Bob, actually. Okay. So we might... We'll see. People did seem to enjoy that one. So mm -hmm. uh, maybe he'll be up to coming back on in the future if he doesn't get fired for talking to us i was it was a but, pretty tame episode yeah but if anyone goes and mm, listens yeah, to previous episodes i did warn him when he said he was doing it that he told his department that he was gonna come on why did he do and, that yeah because it's it, it was outreach and that was he was what he was planning around and told people with the podcast but that that was a mistake yes but uh Uh, our first email that we're going to talk about here is from Joel, who says, how do you feel about the overall direction, regular emailer, Joel, says, how do you feel about the overall direction with regards to the Empire and the post-Endor EU and Legends? Personally, I really don't like it, post-Bantam era and post-Pelling-Gaverson Treaty. Not only do I dislike the idea of the New Republic not fighting tooth and nail to see the complete destruction of the Empire from an in-universe perspective... I always got the vibe that some authors wanted to try and essentially give the Empire under Pelion and later a Fell a redemption arc and make them outright good guys in NJO and post-NJO. Not until Legacy do the Empire become baddies again, and even then it's because they got taken over by Sith and not because authoritarian governments are just outright bad things. Controversial opinion, but I much prefer the Empire direction post and or in canon with the First Order because I feel like it's stuck to Star Wars' very clear anti-authoritarian message where evils like the Empire and its fascism should be brought and given no corner. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, he's got a good point. Um, like, Jagfell is probably a character that I like, but I've kind of got some problems with for that very reason. Mm -hmm. It's like, he's like the kind fascist. Like, yeah. The Empire. Pelion really gets whitewashed a lot. And yeah, he, he does. He's really not good mm -hmm. uh, in pretty much any point. It's just he's not as bad as the Vong. Like, the. Well, I'd of, say uh, he's he. Oh shit! I just knocked my track IR off my headset. I forgot I had that on. Um, I'd say he's okay by like, by like, Pelion Garrison Treaty, and like, he's like uh, he's a pretty good character in Legacy of the Force. Like he's he's kind of taking his statesman role, and he's yeah. he's. Uh, but he's always still very authoritarian and. Like, he does embody a lot of the traits that are wrong with the Empire in a lot of his earlier appearances. Oh, totally. He's, like he's the humanocentrism. And, yeah. yeah it, and I feel like a lot of people kind of give him a pass on all of that because by the time of Legacy of the Force, he's at least, like, standing up to Jason. Uh, the super authoritarian Force users. And because he does always kind of have, like, a thing about mm -hmm. Palpatine where he thinks, well, Palpatine's not very epic. Mm -hmm. uh, but... He, like has he still his, ends like, up fighting for them long after he had a choice to not do that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Palpatine kind of has, like, a bit of his come-to-Jesus moment. Um, Pelion? Yeah. Sorry, what did I say? <laughs> he said Palpatine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we're even for earlier. Yeah. Uh, Pelion sort of has this come-to-Jesus moment where he realizes, like, the empire that he thought he served never really existed. Yeah. But... 
It's still like, you know, it's still. But at the same time, the empire he thought he was serving wasn't that great either. Yeah, I mean, like for the species stuff, and then there's also when they're initially uh, negotiating with him, like he's on board with fighting the Yuuzhan Vong, which like points for that. But they go to the there's the the gardening scenes with him, mm-hmm. where like, it kind of still outlines his worldview as being like the authoritarian uh imposed mm-hmm. order situation yeah he do be liking flowers you're, you're right like star wars kind of presents it, it is true that some of the later star wars stuff does present like authoritarianism as like he's not evil he just really likes law and order law and order whatever that yeah. means it's like we all know what it means it's like oh he's well, he's a, he wants to be a dictator but he's gonna be a good dictator it's a problem criminals in... flayed and murdered it's a problem in star wars and how it's presented in general because like it's very monarchist in a way mm-hmm. where like you do have your chosen one yeah and for sure you have everything's based around this family so just by necessity if you're keeping it based around them you want them to have these important roles and they're also where all the villains are coming from it's like all the problems in the galaxy you can kind of trace back to those one or two families mm-hmm. that are just it's a galactic oligarchy of people with way more power than they really should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it is supposed to be organized that way, uh, just from a narrative standpoint, you get a lot of the problems that are inherent with having a society organized that way. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that's a interesting question. And I mean, I, I, I do. I, he, he made some good points. So thanks for that. You want to get the next one? Or can you, and I'll get the one after that. All right. Um, I'm going to have to go for some shorter ones right now. Because yeah. we are going to be making Charlie wait. Mm-hmm. Which I've got no problem with, but we've got something special for the beginning of Bureau Card. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Jacob, not a question, but just a comment saying there's a really funny Star Wars wax museum in Barcelona. And I, I think that was kind of been a thing recently online. Um, yeah, which is funny. Uh, a lot of these are science questions. I'm just looking through it now. Yeah. Um, It's like, oh, we got to get Bob on for these. mm Mm-hmm. Um, Tank Ace has a question about, uh, clones being phased out. And so in canon they phase clones out pretty immediately after the formation of the empire in legends it's different and he's he points out and this is not something that that i remember but i'm i'm sure is true that in the canon book battlefront one twilight company we see an old clone serving as an imperial officer at the battle of solace it's the only clones thing has not been the approach forever i remember that it was I remember talking to one of the devs on Jedi Fallen Order. I got to speak to one of them at E3 and I asked something about clones and he's like, all the clones are gone by now. And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) I didn't know. So I just, I know that it's not been completely consistent, but that's just the approach taken now where um, Mm -hmm. all the clones are gone. Yeah. And uh, we kind of actually see in Rebels, uh, like how Callus responds to Rex and Wolf Mm -hmm. where they're out there in the galaxy and there probably are going to be a couple that ended up staying in service. So yeah. 
And I mean, we also see how, how old they are, because you got to remember these clones age at double the rate. And um, But the thing about Legends, too, they had different clone batches, different, uh, yeah. different clone types, and they were kind of continuing some methods of cloning after uh after the galactic or after the the clone wars so that's one thing that's different yeah yeah good question all right uh so do we leave it there for today yeah and so we, sh we should do another question period mm -hmm. one soon maybe after the alphabet squadron yeah that'd be uh, a good after time victory's for price yeah so we're kind of at the point right now where our, our inbox is to be honest it's just a mess because we're getting a lot yeah. of emails um we had a lot of science ones that we're probably not qualified to answer or at least not in any meaningful way so if you've sent us a message and we haven't answered it yet just assume that it's not going to be answered because we've lost it feel free to resubmit it but also try to next week we're reading crimson empire one not just issue one but all what you said six issues is it yeah there's six issues in crimson empire one uh, then there's a further 14 for two mm -hmm. and three. So not especially long. We'll probably have no. time for, for more comments and questions. Last yeah. Uh, so read that along, read along with us. Crimson Empire one is probably one of the most well-known Star Wars comics of all time. It's got a, a very epic duel in it. It's like a half of issue six is uh, the Kirk Hanos duel, um, which is fun. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. And that's all I've got. I'm assuming you're going to end the stream while I'm talking. No, no, no. All right, guys, that's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for watching. As always, guys, do me a favor. I'm not going to cut Corey off before I do the very important thing of telling you guys to go to your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Podbean, Joe on the Corner who sells podcasts, Leave a five-star review. Potty Joe. Potty yeah, Joe, yeah. Potty Joe. Go up to Potty Joe. Put, put both your hands on the table. Get real close to him. I want you to smell the liquor on his breath and say, Tap Calf Transmissions, only Star Wars podcast, five stars. Or go to iTunes, click five stars. Leave a nice review. Oh, that's something I'm going to check before we end this. Have we got any new podcast reviews? All right, after we do this, we are about to start playing some Birio Kart over on youtube.com slash E-C-K-S-T-O-O. -O. Uh, that's where we drink, talk, and play Mario Kart 64 with our friend Charlie, who you may know from previous episodes of the podcast. Uh, so you can tune into that if you are interested. Uh, it's always a, an interesting time, I guess, uh, especially with today's uh special oh yes reveal. we've it's got gonna a be great. i'm gonna say we've got a celebrity guest today celebrity right. uh i've got we do have a few podcast reviews do you want me to just read these to end it yes okay absolutely we've got thumbs up five out of five from five g's three h's two more g's an h a y a g a y a b and a v that's his name he says good podcast i would recommend highly wet bub would be proud wet bub of course being the gungan from the high republic um Nyoa the Prince is the KFC of Star Wars. The podcast is great. It has all the great flavor of a bucket of KFC chicken. With how in-depth they go with their reviews and takes on old and new canon. <laughs> I didn't read this through before reading it. Only drawback is the greasy bottom of the bucket known as Charlie. <laughs> but his infrequent <laughs> presence, much like a heart attack, keeps things interesting. 
Oh my god. Oh man. Okay, very good. Uh, we got Lil X videos who says two can knuckleheads talk Star Wars for some time, being the only game in town, I give it five stars. Uh, um we've got Chewy Holix says two there are a master and apprentice, no more, no less. Yoda, there is another Star Wars podcast. I don't know about that, but uh those are some some really, really amazing podcast reviews, guys. It means a lot to me and Listen, we spend a lot of time on this podcast reading, you know, I'm a slow reader. I'm not that bright. It takes me a long time to get through these books. Um, so giving good reviews and recommending the podcast to others really helps us grow. Corey and I have talked about bringing the podcast to the next level and as soon as we can. I know that's one of my goals for this year. One of the reasons I got a new mic. So, yeah. Yeah. Like a, an intro song some actual art related to the podcast rather than yeah. uh, the X2 background and my passable layout. Like, we might even use Zoom or something, and we can look like a real Star Wars Explained live stream. Uh, I don't like that idea. And maybe we'll get a, a, a sponsor now that product has dropped us. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah. Any suggestions you guys have for how we could be just better at our jobs. Uh, you can submit those along with other questions for Crimson Empire One. Mm -hmm. at TapCalfTransmissions at gmail.com. If you can work, if you're going to leave a review and you can work the word sleazy into it without being disparaging towards Corey or I, then, or, or towards, towards Corey or me. Works for anything Star Wars related. Yes then I'll appreciate it even more. But with that, guys, we are going to end the podcast. Corey, take us out.